This episode brought to you by Healthier You. Are you living the healthiest version of you? Hi, this is registered dietitian and Run Disney race announcer, Carissa Galloway, and I'm excited to share some information about the course I created. It's called Healthier You. In my talking and working with runners, they're always asking about ways to improve their health, nutrition, and for weight loss. I took everything I've learned as a registered dietitian and made it into this easy-to-navigate 12-week course. You're getting meal plans, you're getting nutrition education, you're getting recipes, and you're getting live monthly Q&A sessions with me where you can ask your personalized questions. We've had over 200 Healthier You participants this year, and so many of them are sharing great stories of success with how simple it is to use the program and how it's made huge improvements in their energy and nutrition choices. I'd love for you to join Healthier You, and you can use the code Jeff. J-E-F-F to save $175. You can go to GallowayCourse.com or find the link in the show notes and follow me on Instagram for more information at Carissa underscore G-Way. When it comes to running in so many ways, Run, Walk, Run is a plan that can keep you out of trouble and then lead you on to having and finding the resources when you need them. So you gain control over your aches and pains, your fatigue, and your ability to interact with others in life with Run, Walk, Run. You can do it. Welcome to the You Can Do It with Jeff Galloway podcast. Last episode, we talked a little bit about motivation and you got into one of the most important parts about motivation is really having a cognitive strategy or having a plan. And one of the most important plans that you have brought to the table is this idea of run, walk, run. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe the origins of Run, Walk, Run and why it's such an important strategy? Well, why is based on the whole concept of having a plan. And there's a whole lot of research, thousands of studies worldwide showing that those who have a plan tend to do better than those who do not. Well, and when it comes to running in so many ways, Run, Walk, Run is a plan that can keep you out of trouble and then lead you on to having and finding the resources when you need them. Uh, It occurred uh, for the very first time during a course that I was teaching for beginning runners in which I knew that these novices didn't have much endurance to even be able to run half a mile. Uh, And so during the first run that we did, I empowered every single person to walk as much as they want to. And my, my one rule that I gave them was when you start to huff and puff, take a walk break. Well, they did. And the first thing that I found is that runners when they're in a group like that and when they're not huffing and puffing tend to find groups that have the same fitness level. So we actually were able to group 
the uh, larger group of runners into pace groups based on their current ability level. But what happened from that point is I met with each one of the groups every single week, and I listened for huffing and puffing. And whenever somebody started to huff and puff, the whole group would walk. So we stayed together as a group. We kept the group together. The uh, continuity and friendships in the group grew. And at the end of the 10-week class, there were no injuries. I had never been with a group of over 20 runners for 10 weeks in which there were no injuries. And I realized at that point that that had to be due probably to the run, walk, run. So as I continued to use this and then get the feedback from thousands of runners, now well over half a million have reported in success stories with Run, Walk, Run. I've come to the conclusion that what the principle of Run, Walk, Run is, is not using up your resources. It's it's putting a walk break in early and often as a plan so that you have confidence in what you're doing. And if it's not working, you can change it up. So you not only have confidence initially, but you have control. And the plan, uh, regardless of what you're trying to do, uh, the plan should include those two things. And that is confidence in the plan, and then your control over the plan to change it up if it's not working. And so um, in our case, we have distilled the over half a million responses that we have from people into recommendations based on pace per mile. So we can tell very accurately what a person is going to benefit more from by using the amount of running and amount of walking. What percent would you say is this plan mental versus physical, do you think? I think that uh, in any aspect of running, things sway towards the mental more than they do the physical. Uh, For beginners, beginners are overwhelmed by so many things in the beginning, and having a plan simplifies uh, the types of adversities they go through and allows them to sort those too. And I think if there's one thing that I've heard from beginners more than anything, it's that my method has allowed them to sort through all the conflicting ideas that they've gotten from their friends about running into a plan that is successful for hundreds of thousands of people. And they have confidence in it because it has worked. Now, running is physical. And so when it comes to the physical part, Run, Walk, Run addresses the major challenges that we have in running. First of all, fatigue. You can avoid exhaustion with the right Run, Walk, Run. If you take it, take the walk breaks right from the beginning in a planned format, change it up if uh, things aren't working quite right or it's, if it's hot or whatever, you're still in control all the way through. And you can avoid exhaustion. 
even if you're going a good bit farther than you have in the recent past. Um, and then um, when it comes to aches and pains with the right run, walk, run, most people can avoid significant aches and pains. Now, there's always going to be some little ache, little pain here and there, but the significant ones are the ones you have to worry about. And Run, Walk, Run has a very high success rate in gaining control over those and allowing people to get through their training and their races without activating the weak links that used to activate them when they were running nonstop. And then the other major benefit uh, is that you can have a life while you're training for a long event. Uh, the folks that run nonstop, when they're training for something as long as, say, a marathon, uh, will find that after those long runs, they aren't able to interact with friends and family very well. And with Run, Walk, Run, one of the greatest compliments that people give me is that they were able to do practically anything that their family wanted to do after doing those 20-plus mile runs. And and it's, it's true. You gain control over your aches and pains, your fatigue, and your ability to interact with others in life with Run, Walk, Run. And another part of your plan, and we talk about 20-plus mile long runs, and it's something that, that keeps getting asked of your training plans, why you have to go over 20 miles when you're training for a marathon, why you have to go over 13 miles when you're training for a half marathon. Part of the plan is about getting your body ready for a distance. So what is it about your technique and your plan that has these longer distances in the training plan? One of the most important concepts or principles of long distance training is called specificity. And this means in terms of endurance that you are prepared to go the distance. Now, uh, I'll tell you how I came up with going beyond 26 miles in order to run a faster marathon. It was uh, after a big race that I had run, the Pan American Trials Marathon, and I was uh, at a celebration afterwards with my fellow runners, and we were in one part of the room talking about training and long runs that we did uh, and weekly mileage at that particular point. And I was proud to have the highest weekly mileage of the people in that part of the room. Well, another runner heard us talking about this high mileage, which for everybody that I was talking with, and it was about a dozen runners, uh, we were all running more than 100 miles a week because at that period of time in distance running history, it was... Uh, thought that you had to run at least 100 miles a week to run a good marathon. Well, this guy who I thought was sort of a, a wise guy uh, heard us talking high mileage and said, I've never run a 100-mile week in my life. And I looked around, and 
it was a fellow named Kenny Moore who was from uh, Oregon and he had trained under Bill Bowerman, but he had come up with uh, with this plan himself in terms of distance that ran contrary to the usual way of thinking of marathon training. The usual way of thinking was you don't need to run more than 20 miles. You can coast in after doing that off of your endurance. Well, my problem leading up to that race and including that race is that I did run 20 miles on my long runs, and that was the longest I did. But in every race, I would get to about the 20-mile mark, and I would start slowing down. And I wondered, what the heck? How can I avoid the slowdown so that I can keep going and keep having uh, the strength to go on instead of slow down and get slower times as a result? So as a result, I tried that myself during the very next wave of my marathon training. And I never hit the wall again. Uh, uh, but I will say that uh, when you're faced with a particular principle that almost everybody uses, like 20, you don't need to run more than 20 miles on a long training run, it takes a little bit of courage to depart from that, especially when you're putting yourself through the adversity of going all the way up to 30 miles and training the way Kenny Moore did. But when I started to question Kenny's advice, I just had to think of a cognitive thought, which was Kenny won that Pan American Trials Marathon, and I finished 11th. And that's the case that that propelled me on to running 30 milers. So another aspect of having a plan has to do with nutrition. And obviously, during the course of training for something, there are a lot of different nutritional choices that go into play. But when we specifically talk about during an event, can you tell us a little bit about nutrition and what you recommend or what you have found success with through others or anything like that? Well, uh, when it comes to nutrition, there are so many emotional ties that we have to certain foods. And there are certain foods that we actually just like and want to use uh, when they may not be the best for us. Uh, I started studying nutrition for distance running back in the 70s when there really wasn't much out there. And uh, I um, was able to access certain key people uh, such as registered dietitian Nancy Clark and others who helped me along the way. And uh, my uh, current guru in this is Carissa Galloway, who has just a wealth of tools and knowledge on our Galloway training app. But all of this has been based upon two different ways of verifying nutritional information. The first is research. And it's very clear that there's a lot of contradictory studies out there. So you have to find some expert like Carissa and Nancy Clark 
who can sort through that stuff and say, well, now these studies are really very sound and have been done by good organizations and so forth. And so uh, looking at the books that uh, I have written with uh, registered dietitians on the subject of nutrition and running, they are based on research, and, and the research is solid. But beyond that, there are a lot of experiential things that you really have to try out and see how they work with you. And so um, the experience-based part of my advice is based on tens of thousands of runners who have tried different things and have come up with things that work for them. And I don't tell you exactly what you need to have in the way of certain substances that you would consume, but there are principles. And the first principle that really surprised me is that it's not about how much you are burning while you run or how much you're losing in sweat. It's about what your stomach can absorb while you're running. And unfortunately, it's darn little because when you run, the blood flow in the body is limited and it is targeted to areas that need it most, which are the exercising muscles and the organs that process the things that you need to keep you going. So that said, there's very little blood flow that goes to the gut, and that means that very little is going to be absorbed out of the gut. And if you consume too much fluid or too much uh, nutritional things and foods, it can come back to haunt you. And uh, too much uh, well, loading too much can it lead to unloading during runs themselves. Based on sorting through all of the research and experimentation, I've come up with rules of thumb that start the day before. Because um, the day before, uh, what you eat and how much you eat can influence your performance mainly when eating too much and when drinking too much or drinking the wrong things. So I do recommend drinking eight eight-ounce glasses of water throughout the day, the day before. And uh, you need to eat regularly throughout the day before to keep your blood sugar level up so that it doesn't uh, go down. Uh, but uh, you don't want to overeat, particularly starting about noontime the day before. Eat foods that you know can digest easily and taper down on the quantity and avoid any foods that have caused you problems before. So the morning of long runs, uh, and actually the day before too, can be a laboratory for you to figure out what's going to work best for you the day before and the morning of a race. But during long runs and the race, my rule of thumb that's been very successful and avoids overconsumption is as follows. With uh, fluid, it's two to four ounces of water every two miles. And with blood sugar maintenance, it's 30 to 40 calories of sugar in some form. And the more pure forms of sugar, as in 
sugar cubes, gummy bears, lifesavers, things like that, uh, cause fewer problems because they get into the system quicker. They elevate blood sugar level to, uh, you know, good levels. And uh, you don't get overconsumption. And, you know, the biggest mistake that I see people making is when it's a hot day and they think because they're sweating more, they need to drink more. Again, think about this, that your stomach can only absorb a certain amount. And on a hot day, it's going to be less because the blood flow is goes into your uh, capillaries of the skin and there's less blood flow to go to the gut on hot days. And if you drink too much, it goes through the urinary tract and washes sodium out of the system and it can lead to a dangerous low level of sodium and cause a condition called hyponatremia. But if you will use your brain and ha- follow the plan of uh, minimal amounts of ingestion of uh, water, two to four ounces every two miles, and 30 to 40 calories of sugar every two miles, that can be fine-tuned during your long runs, and you can be ready for the race. Talking specifically about different products, what what product have you used uh, recently or not recently throughout your career that you have found success with? When I was getting better in marathons, I watched the other runners around me who ran faster than I did at the finish and uh, to find out what they were consuming during the race itself. Uh, Of course, most of them were just drinking water. And when electrolytes came in, then you saw some that were consuming electrolytes. But... um, Pretty early on in the 70s, I saw just more and more of the world-class athletes, including my friend Frank Shorter, who won the gold medal in the marathon in my Olympics in Munich, uh, drink defiz Coca-Cola. Uh, and at first I said, how can that help you at all? And uh, one doctor that I knew did uh, some analysis of it, and he found that the uh, at the time, in the 70s, the uh, composition in electrolytes were the same in regular Coca-Cola as they were in the electrolytes of that period. So you're actually getting electrolytes uh, at the time period in the same quantity with Coca-Cola. But what really was helpful is that um, you got water, sugar, and caffeine at the same time, going all the way through. And uh, Coca-Cola has been known for a long time to be uh, a stomach-settling type of fluid, too. So if you've had digestive issues, some people have definitely found that it settles them down during a marathon. Uh, But yes, I used Defiz Coca-Cola as my primary beverage at when I was at the world-class level. And I continued to use it uh, in my uh, uh, years after that. And it, it just was very successful for me. There have been a few innovations in this 
arena. And one of those is something that a lot of the elites are using now called Morton. Um, we had the chance to talk with one of the representatives of Morton to tell us a little bit more about the science behind what's in their products. We're joined here by Brian with Morton, and we were just trying to find out a little bit more about what you guys are doing in the endurance space in terms of nutrition. Well, we're in the business of fueling. And when we talk about fueling, we specifically talk about carbohydrate fueling. And we've always known that carbohydrates are the go energy. We have we have a couple different sources of energy that the body uses. Um, mainly for endurance sports, it's fat and carbohydrate. Protein to a lesser extent, more for repair, but fat and carbohydrates are the two energy sources. And while fat is full of energy, it shuttles really slowly to the, to, to the body systems. Uh, whereas carbohydrate is very easily burnable or what we say oxidizable by the body. So this can be a quick energy source, which is important when you're trying to perform at a high level. Um, and I know you said you, to your, uh, you testified yourself, uh, Weston, that uh, Morton sits really nice with you. And, and, I, and I, as much as I like that, I have to correct that because Morton doesn't sit. And what's unique about our, 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 our technology is this hydrogel technology that we use is designed to empty out of the stomach really quickly and not sit and actually go to the intestine where it can be oxidized rapidly to get to working muscles. So this old refrain of you are what you eat is really incorrect. It's you are what you can oxidize. And it, yeah, because if we're just sitting and we're digesting, we're not really going to working muscles. So Morton's really cracked the code in terms of giving you those sugars uh, uh, rapidly to the intestine, bypassing the stomach so we can get rapid energy release when we need it the most. That's amazing. So is there anything else that that's out there using the same kind of technology? We're really in a league of our own. We've we're what I love about Morton is it's a namesake. It's it's named after a guy, Dr. Morton, who's from the biotech industry, from pharmaceutical industry, where we've known hydrogel um, as a technology in the food and pharmaceutical space as a as a means of being able to transport food or medicine um, seamlessly um, into into the gut. Uh, we've, where, where, where the, the, where, where the unlock is, is in sport, right? Where we know that we need a high amount of sugar, but the, a high amount of sugar just sitting in the stomach and sloshing around can cause gastrointestinal distress, especially running because we have the mechanical stress of moving our arms up and down and jostling that adds, that adds to that distress. So, well, by protecting sugars in this matrix of hydrogel, essentially natural ingredients of seaweed and fruit peels, um, we're able to create this protective layer that's pH sensitive. So as soon as it hits the acidity of the stomach, that sugar essentially gets cloaked by this alginate and this and, and these fruit peels, pectin, if you uh, is is the is the technical name for it, that protects those sugars. And it actually cloaks those sugars to make the stomach believe that it's water. And when the stomach believes that it's water, it starts to empty quicker into the intestine. 
And this is where we're getting this now high octane fuel directly to directly um, to to the working muscles. And and I say we're in a league of our own. We're also for a specific runner that, you know, doesn't just want to show up. Right. Our the, the runner that really thrives on Morton is the runner that wants to break through that. <clears throat> wants a high octane, very rapidly oxidizable fuel for their, for, for essentially their, their engine. Cause at lower uh, levels of intensity, 50% of VO2 max. So a light jog, an easy jog, um, you can digest pretty much anything. You can even digest, so you can even digest solid foods. It might give you a little bit of, uh, of, of discomfort, but you can digest it. But at 90% of VO2 max and really running and trying to break through, Blood needs to go to working muscles. It can't go to the stomach. So Morton really unlocks that the, the, the runner that's at the higher level of intensity that needs these sugars rapidly um, with, without that, without, as I said, that, that distress. Yeah, this is, this is great. It's fascinating. It's science, it's deception. It's like a, like a murder mystery kind of thing. Um, <laughs> what, how, how can people ingest this? What kind of products do you have that, that you, you know, that people can use? Love it. Morton is a plat platform. So um, they, we by, by combining our products, you can meet the carbohydrate demands of common workouts um, and races from 5k to marathon and ultras and, and and beyond so the basic breakdown is is we have a drink mix uh that um, comes in two different permutations a uh, a 160 version and a 320 version and those numbers are short for calories so the 160 is a is a great way to give yourself a a, a quick hit of calories and 40 grams of carbohydrate and the 320 is a great um, pre-workout fuel to make sure you're getting to a line really gassed up, full tank, ready to run a marathon because that's 320 calories, 80 grams of carbohydrate. And this drink mix, don't think of it as a, a, a drink like any other um, sports fuel out there. This, uh, or, or, or hydration mix, should I say out there? This is truly a fuel mix. The drink, as soon as it hits your stomach acid, turns into that hydrogel that then, as I say, um, uh, uh, goes right into the intestine. The shortcut to the drink mix are the gels. And the gels are e really easy ways to get 25 grams of carbohydrate or 100 calories in race. So at Boston, we have three hydrogel stations where you're going to be able to get these quick hits of 25 grams of carbohydrate um, to sort of sustain that carbohydrate burn in perpetuity. So when we think about this as a platform, you can think about getting to the race with sipping on drink mix to get those carbohydrate stores topped up. And knowing that, you know, a lot of runners aren't elite runners and don't have access to bottle service on the course to continue with drink mix, they're going to be able to grab the gels, the 25 gram hits of, car hits of carbs on the course, as well as these are really easy to store in your pockets. So you can, you can keep those in, in your tight pockets, in your arm sleeves. And then my favorite is 
after the race, there's an opportunity to replenish those glycogen stores with more solid product. We don't call it a bar. We call it solid because it really is that Weston. It's a 11 ingredients kind of coagulated together in an oat, right? Oat rice based bar. So gluten-free, vegan, really basic, really easy on the stomach uh, to replenish glycogen at the end. So you think about drink mix, gels, and solids. You've got all your carbohydrate needs taken care of uh, in, in, in ways that give you hydration, um, solid food, and quick hits of carbs. That's great. That's a full plethora of opportunities to get in your carbs. How often during an event, how often do you recommend people use like a gel or taking a, a drink? Yeah, this is a great question. And here's where I encourage runners to explore our fuel guide on Morton.com as it will show you in a marathon plan how every 6K or essentially 30 minutes, we should be ingesting a gel of 25 grams of carbohydrate. Or if you're lucky enough to have somebody hand you a bottle or you can get to a water or you can get to a water table, you can take in some of the drink mix to potentially get a little bit more. But we want to try to get 90 grams of carbohydrate hydrate an hour. So that's, that could be taking three, that could be taking, uh, you know, almost up to four gels per hour. So we know that that can be challenging. That's why it's super important to get to the start line as topped up as possible. And this is not just with Morton. We should be leading with real food and doing our standard carbohydrate loading meal with family, loading up on pasta and breads and those longer chain carbohydrates that take a little bit longer to digest. But if we're doing it in the days leading up to it, we're really making sure that we're, we're, we're topped up. And then morning of using our drink mix is that quick way to top up the tank. And that's setting us up for success so that we can um, take about, as I said, ideally we want to get to 90, but I would say if a runner can, can take two gels an hour, Hey, that's, that's still 50. And that's much better than what we see out there right now in current state, where we hear a lot of runners are just take, you know, two or three gels for the entire marathon, which for most people is three to three to four hours. And it's just not enough especially if we want to break through and run at those higher levels of intensity. So rule of thumb, as I said, every 6K, pop the, pop those gels, uh, set a timer on your watch every 25 minutes, be taking, be taking a, be taking a gel and trying to get yourself, you know, to a, as close to that 90 gram, uh, threshold that you can per hour. So speaking of athletes that might only take two or three uh, to get to the end of a marathon. Is there anybody out there on Monday at Boston that we should be looking for that's uh, powered by Morton? Yeah, you know, we've got uh, a large, uh, elite, uh, a large and, and very prestigious elite field formed. The tip of that spear is Elliot Kipchoge, who is his, who's making his Boston debut. And Elliot's been uh, a run, a, a Morton runner for since the inception. And, you know, we, a lot of the Morton story comes from Elliot, who broke the two hour barrier in the marathon with the help of Morton. Uh, and, and so it's a really, it's Elliot's story is a real testament to how we can utilize technology and science and, 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 and new methods of training to really break through the, the, the limits of human performance. 
So we look forward to seeing what Elliot what, what Elliot can do on a on a really challenging Boston course, and of course in the in, in the women's race we've got uh, a, a plethora of um, of runners with the NN team that is also sponsored by Morton to keep a to keep to keep an eye out for um, as well. Any predictions for Elliot on uh, on Marathon Monday? Yeah, you know, I don't I, I don't think Elliot is necessarily going for a time. I think this is, you know, Elliot would be admitted himself. He's in his encore years. And it, for him, the real treasure of the uh, of, of, of the majors is being able to participate in all of them. And Boston's the final notch to add to add to his belt. So look, I, I don't know who who can contend out with them. If there's one guy that can do it, it's this Brazilian guy, Nascimento. He's just an exciting runner that I'm looking forward to, to seeing. You know, he's he he went he ran the fastest mile in New York. He's also a Morton, he's also a Morton athlete. And so we've had some nutritional talks with him, uh, with Daniel de Nascimento, and we're gonna see um if he can run Boston uh, with that same courage and gutsiness, but maybe with a, a, a little bit more strategy around feeling to get him to the finish line this time. It's definitely going to be an exciting one. Well, yeah. Brian, thanks so much for joining us and, and giving all of your insight on everything Morton and everything nutrition. And we just, we really appreciate it. My pleasure, Weston. Thank you. And we'll see you out there. So whatever you plan to use, you want to make sure that you try it out on a number of long runs first and make sure that it works and then edit out when you take it and how much and uh, how it's affected by heat and all of these various issues. And if you're using various substances regularly uh, and sometimes trying other ones, you're going to find what works best for you. And that's the most important thing. So um, get a plan by researching it on long runs. Edit that so that it works better and better as you go through a season of long runs. And then stick with the plan when you get in you your race. Can do it. And I'm Jeff Galloway. And remember, you can do it. <laughs>